it's just like sometimes you have to move to the money because you, you, it's money is it's like the money is like a woman, bro. Money will do what it has to do, but it don't want to work too hard to get it done. You feel me? So you gotta meet it halfway there. <laughs> like that's like the easiest way I can say it. You feel me? Speaking of which, this my CFO calling. Let me get you back, bro. Peace and love, everyone. Um, man, I need a couple seconds behind. Was getting everything in order with the elders and, of course, Prince, little one. Um, but no further ado, I got some some intellectuals in the house. I am honored to have these brothers. They're sharing their time with me. They're sharing their time with you all. So please be mindful of the information that they are giving, and let's do our best in order to you know receive it. And once again, I'm thankful for them coming onto the platform. Peace and love. And here we go. Peace. We have Brother Abdullah Bay and we have Brother Shem El. All right. Peace, peace, DJ. Thank you for, for having us. It's an honor to be on this platform to be able to, to elucidate, to illuminate our people. Any platform where we can be on to extend the, the elucidation, all right, to expend, extend the ancient history and our history of our birthright and consanguinity to our people is greatly appreciated. So we are greatly appreciate the work you've done over the years and reaching out to the people and being a vessel to, uh, to bring our people back home mentally, bring them back home mentally. Though, we, though we're home physically, we need to be turned home mentally. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, this is Tamara L, right? I'm about, yeah. to send, I'm about to send Tamara the Facebook link. But um, you two brothers, you all have a plethora of information you sent me a list of treaties you have some court cases that you all be getting into but just for clarity for anyone who's coming into the room while some people are coming in we i my personal request the reason why i reached out to you because there is some confusion within the the turtle island community the atlantis the america community for between the moorish americans and those who identify as being indians or indigenous from the original people of this landmass. So I asked people who I know, who I know, know the history, you know the laws, you know the treaty to come in and give clarity on behalf of the Moorish community, the people with melanin and just the people who deal in, you know, sense. So, I am thankful for you all being on here. Without further ado, I'll let you all, I yield the floor. Yes, we, we want, before we, we want to verify by, by clarity on more and Indian substitution. But prior to that, it's important that we go into the Inquisition against the Moors. We're going to go in dealing with the Inquisition against the Moors. Let's look at the word Negro. The Negro was constructed under on on the Spanish rule. So Negro 
falls into the purview of jurisdiction. We talk about the the word. We're not we're not talking about there's a, there's no Negro people. We talk about a construction whereby the Spaniards constructed Negro and applied that to Moors to gain jurisdiction over the Moors. So that's very important. We start with that. Then we have Spaniards. The Moor in, in, in 1563, Philip II issued a Spanish bulla classifying the Moors as Spaniards, thereby bringing Moors under Spanish jurisdiction. Moors were forbidden to wear their culture headdress, turban and fezzes, speak their language Arabic, wear their garbs. The children were taken away from the from the from their parents and educated and taught Latin by the priesthood. So anything of Moorish character was stripped from the Moors. That's the Inquisition against the Moors. It's also known as the Spanish Inquisition. So we so we have that. Then you have can you um excuse me, I didn't mean to cut your wisdom for clarity for the room. I'm big on timelines because I know people are not. So can you um give us a time when this was about? That way we can always match it up throughout history. 1563. Thank you. The Spanish Bulla. It's called the Inquisition against the Moors. Prior, prior to the Inquisition against the Moors, DJ, the Moors lost the last stronghold, Moors stronghold in Granada. So, Caliph Abu Muhammad Ali signed the Treaty of Granada on November 25th, 1491, surrendering the last Moors stronghold to Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand. That's 14, and Thanksgiving is the celebration of that treaty. That's more surrendering. So, and it put, that treaty was put in effect in January of 1492. So that is a pivotal point in history. Go up to 1563, as I mentioned, that's the, that is the Inquisition, because what was happening the treaty, the Treaty of Granada protected Moors. So you had Philip I, who was embringing on that treaty. And there were Moors who wanted to, we were preserving our culture, preserving our customs. And so to, to strip the Moors so that the Moors would not reunite and come, that we would not reunite and come back into power, we had to restate the Philip II strip any Moors of any of their Moors character. So that was, they launched a harsh inquisition against the Moors in, four, in, in 14, 1563, stripping, as I said before, of the Moors of, of anything of Moors characteristics. There were Moors culture, headdresses, customs, language. So, so now that's, that's the, so now you have Moors who think they're Spanish. Moors who think they're Latino. So then you have this political identity, the political identity of Argentine, Argentina, uh, Argentine, Colombia, Dominica, uh, Brazilian, uh, Nicaraguans, those are not consequently cultural identities. Those are political identities of the Moors. 
They are Moors. They're not Argentinians. They're not Brazilians. They're not Colombians. They're not Puerto Ricans. Those are political identities. So we must understand the distinction between the consanguinity and cultural identity versus the political identity. So it's very key. In the there are eleven or twelve countries in Central South America that preserve the Moorish culture and Moorish consanguinity through the symbology of a of the national coat of arms. You'll see a Moorish fez in the, the coat of arms of Haiti, of Nicaragua, or Costa Rica, or Colombia, or Cuba. So they're preserving their Moorish culture, Moorish consanguinity through the national coat of arms. This is, this is very important. If, you, if you're talking about unity and restoring the power, that is understanding who we are, understanding the history. Because you can't restore that which you don't know. You can't restore with this division. You know, you got the Spanish and the Blacks and the Indians, when in fact they're all the same people and they're Moors. They need a Spanish, they need an Indian, they need a Black. So that's very key. Then we have Blackamore. Black was added to more. Black is a proper noun. Black, black is an adjective. More is a proper noun. So, so Blackamore, in J. Rogers' book, Nature Knows the Color Line, chapter six, the Negro as more and European aristocratic families. J. Rogers shows in 1300 dictionaries, 1400 dictionaries, the word Blackamore in German, Blackamore in Italian, Blackamore in French. He, so, so Blackamore was black was added to more. Also in J. Rogers' book, the same chapter, chapter six of Nature Knows the Color Line, there are they, there are there are 50 variations or more, where these are these are aristocratic Europeans or Moorish nobility, Moorish nobility having more house, Morgan, more M O H R, the Greek form of it, the Italian form, the French form, the Dutch form, the Danish form of more. And so, so this is this knowledge of history is very important. Then further, then in 1621. Indian was substituted for more. Indian was substituted for more in 1621. In the book, Nature. I, uh, I have a question, Brother Abdullah. Yeah. When you are in 1620, since we're talking about the year 1621, not to take you off topic, but can we talk about what was going on with the so called Indian during 1621? That way we can have an idea of who they were identifying as Indians at that time. All right. The, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie that in. Go ahead. Unexpected faces, unexpected faces in ancient America. In the book by Unexpected Faces in Ancient America by Alexander von Rutenau, he has over 100 in that book are statues, statuettes, stone heads, and figurines that have broad noses and thick lips. That's very important. To give the proper phenology, the proper facial construction of what they're calling the Indians. Also in, in older books in 1800s, 
and 1900s, when O'Shea would say Indians, you'll see dark olive moors that look like me on Wesley Snipes. So now the question is, those who are calling themselves Indians, why don't they look like me? Why don't you have people that look like me walking around calling themselves Indians? Why do you have people that look like George Bush? You know, thin lips, their noses. Where that come from? In the 1800s and 1900s in books, they look like Wesley Snipes. They look like me. They look like DJ. They look like Shim. But if I go on these reservations, if I go to the American, the Smithsonian American Indian Museum, and I see all these books in the bookstore, they look like, they don't look like me. How did that happen? Some look oh, Asian. Talk about the Doss Roll. Mm -hmm. The, the Doss Roll, Senator Doss, introduced a bill. The Doss Roll is the informal name named after Senator Doss, D-A-W-E-S. Those who paid those albions that look like George Bush and Donald Trump paid $5 to get their name added to the roll. This was a way in which the, the Europeans were dis distributing, redistributing our land to the albions. All these points are important. We have to have, we have to lay a solid foundation of clear evidence. One, the solid foundation of clear evidence dealing with archaeology and unexpected faces in ancient America by Alexander von Rudinov, a college foundation of linguistics. So we have to use archaeology and linguistics to lay a solid foundation of evidence. If you move from that, you're already off. All right, shouldn't you have anything to add? Yes, uh, very important to understand that language language is the, the most important thing. Uh, like Professor Abdul would say, the acquisition of war is created through language and is also created through, Professor Abdul would say, when they started composing the Oxford and these modern dictionaries, these men like Webster and all these people of, of, Europe, of European nations started performing, constructing the linguistics, Juris Sultans started structuring the language, which are the which are the youngest of the child, of the child, older child, out of the parent, mother, father languages. And what they did is they did not look back on the older concepts beyond the 14th century. See, nobody never cleared this up. And I'm glad me, Professor Abdullah, is researched. She before the 14th century, they didn't even go, go back that far. So when they create an interpretation, they will take a jurist consulting copy and put it in the Royal Library for the fraternity order. That would go back before the 14th century. Then they'll take a public copy of connotated denotation and take away the person rights. Meaning words are limited to what the, the linguistics said at that time. But the, when they look back to the original language beyond the 14th century, the older sisters and brothers of the mothers and father languages, they will put that in a royal library. See, nobody is teaching this. This is what, and then what they say is, we'll put falsehood out here with a little truth, like taking a roll of quarters and throwing it into the sea, and say, go down there more and find it. They, they mix falsehood and truth together, 
false concepts and very little true concepts so that we can argue among ourselves and we can't even get back to our country in thinking, in language. Yes. Now, the, the second part of that is longitude and latitude dealing with measurements of hemisphere and atmosphere. They had to change the map around to hide the original jurisdiction, territorial, cultural jurisdiction of the ancient. And the only way to do that is take the ancient names and create a map and put them all over the world and flip the compass. That way they can never get back home and they thinking. See, your thinking is the navigation of your body, of your security and inheritance in your land. Once they take away the, the, the longitude and latitude, they not only strip you in thinking and, and, and language, but they strip you in traveling because you travel in your mind to inheritance. In order to inherit something, you have to know where your ancient foremothers and forefathers claimed that domicile area of the land. Was it conveyed by the cosmos or was it a territorial land that was never claimed and they took possession of it? So by changing the map around, Moors are talking and you're talking about these old nations. They're over here. We're in the Eastern Hemisphere. This is the East. Everybody look to the East. They switched it around and put the East over there so we can look towards another part where we're for that's not our that's not out of state. That's not out of heritage. So we are the correct the languages like Professor Abdullah brought something up good today. And I'm thinking Abdullah went back and said, Hey Shim, they don't understand. They don't have the knowledge to know that when the Cambridge Library books and a lot of these Westerns and all these different dictionaries, Oxford. Oxford, when they was formed, they only went to a certain century. They did not look back. The criminal went to the Oxford uh, dictionary. So with, by now looking back at the older sisters and brothers who are the first child of the mother and father parent language, you, you, can, you can construct the language now and you can take away the people inherited. So when you see words of the 14th century, the jurists, they have a private law to the fraternity order. They have their original structure of meanings and definitions that guides them so that they can't be tricked. But they give you a public edition, and that's only to a certain age. So now we're dealing with land now. Moors don't even know where they at right now. They think they're in the West. You're not in the Western Hemisphere. I'm sorry. They twist the map around. They flip the compass. And how this is being true, that NASA, NASA specialist in map building has been assassinated for revealing this secret. That when they was traveling from the said it's traveling from what they call the European powers, they was coming from what you call they call the south to Australia, they was flying up towards what you call Mesopotamia, the Phoenician land. So the larger two of the compass showed that they was lying. The map is a lie. So we have to be careful that we start saying European power Albion, you're talking about Edom. You're talking about a land that's down where it's cold at. The South don't, the South is the higher pedestal of what? The North is always the lowest. So how does the North get them high? We've been, we've been indoctrinated. We've been tricked. So we Moors don't need to be arguing with each other. What we need to do is come together and listen to the jurists 
an etymology specialist and just come together as a community and have a school, protect the school through the government structure, get back in contact with the, with the um, embassies as a nation, a society. When we give the map up, we give the proper latitude and longitude because that's our inherent claim. No one can do this for you. You have to do it yourself. We have to ratify these conventions and the international de uh, declarations and covenants. We don't look for another nation to do that for us. How can we go to a corporate government that's got a, at least on a political zone and they're not even a freeholder? They didn't even see the letter of patent. The prospectors, prospectors, lords, they are the holders of the letter. So, so what we have to do is we have to properly educate ourselves. We have not been educated by the things like this, working for them. We'll be educated to fix a car, be educated to fix a plane. We'll be educated to uh, give up, come up with patents and then take the patent and give it to a foreign corporate government and let them hold it as custodian. Now they got custodian over your patent. We can't even protect our own patent. Listen, the, the United States government, people that runs the United States in the fraternity order, when they made the Constitution, you notice they never kept copyrighted or patent a flag or this. Nobody even asked themselves because they're not on that level. Why didn't the United States patent a pyramid seal, the Phoenix or Eagle Bird seal, or the flag? The flag was already patented by the crown. They just became a provincial colony written in their space. They was written a colony for it. They see the Lord decided to let the people elect, uh, uh, elect their own government, but they still hold the estate. They're freeholders. So they couldn't even patent the flag. They couldn't even patent the pyramid. It's ours. It's ours. They, the, the eagle, the Phoenix, that is ours. The Illinois which they call Indians. All the Darnassi. That's right. The United, the United States was sued All in the World Court by the British Crown on violation of the Gantt Treaty. Now, why was that treaty so important? I'm going to explain why. The Aboriginal estate of Moors and Indians was being taken by the United States to genocide and apartheid. British United States made a claim like they did when they passed the White Statue Act to declare themselves to be free white people. They passed the Indian Act to claim themselves to be Indians. What are we doing here? We're doing birthright theft. You're doing a sheep in the law, feudalist law. Congress is the feudalist lords. they claiming feudalist law over your states. And then they turn around and claim subject matter to the crowns. So that treaty is important because it deals with guaranteeing the aboriginal estate, the land, the original territory. United States was going, taking the Indians, while out of Indians, going to the Bureau of Indian Friends. Hey, we made a treaty with the Indians. Yeah, we got control. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. The Indians are British subject. That's a status. Negro is a Spanish subject that was coined before Indian. Now, when you go to the 1744 treaty, the ones that caught Indian, Lancaster Treaty, they are more subject. They, they, or they wars, but their own brothers and cousins conquered them. And when they conquered them, they became subjects of their own people. They became more subjects. When they let the British come in and the French, the Dutch, the Portuguese, they took them in as being brothers. That was a violation of our culture, of adoption. So, 
I have a question. I have a question about the statement that you made because this is I feel like this is an imperative part. So during a particular time frame, we all would be classified as Moors or Moorish because of the conquering over here. Is that what you're saying? For clarity no, for the audience. No, 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 can, 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 can we be clear on that one point? Moors not a classification. No, no, that's not classification. That's, 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 that's our consequentity. We're saying the Moors conquer the Moors. If I conquer my cousin land, He's a more by consequentity. But what happened is he becomes a more subject as an adventure to his own cousin or brother or sisters. He becomes a more indenture in his own land. So he's not that that doesn't see he's a more. That's why he becomes a more subject, because he's an indenture to his kinsmen. Now, when he signs a treaty in that status as an indenture, that treaty is void. Because the Lords have not established him back, the people back to their proper status as being more free than to be more indentured. So the problem is when the Indians, when the Indian word came as a status, when the, when the European powers look at the Moors, consequently, and by signing treaties with them, the Moors, kings and queens allowed themselves to come under the power and control to conquest under the crowns, the kings and queens of, of, of England, France, Spain, Portuguese, Dutch, they allow themselves through commerce to become servitude to the crowns. Therefore, that made them an Indian. That's why they switched the word Indian with more now. Because they saying a more consequently in culture identity allow us to an agreement that is called an express and an applied contract. They did it. They waived it to express and apply contracts. So when the other Moors of consequentity had a problem with that, they came down and they met. That was a convention, by the way. The 1744 treaty is a convention. It's a judicial document. Lancaster. It's Lancaster Treaty. It's, and it's, a, it's, it's a convention. Because anytime sovereign nations come down and more, and you got a host of, like, let's say, the representative from two or three sovereign nations and the representative from five, that is a convention. So when they say it was not for them to do away with their lands and sign treaties, therefore they declared the treaties in the 16th century to be void. Now Moors did that in the capacity as a lord. They are the lords over the kings and queens and sheep. The lord, that's why they had a, a council, a lord, fire lord council. There, nobody don't read the document to see this. That how the Nazi constitution was called the Iroquois constitution. Yes, sir. You'll hear somebody talk about it. And what they do is they get us to argue with this light skin, this tan, these complexions of skin color, which is adjectives describing the magnetic more the body, describing the temple, the body. We talk about the body now. This is the mix up is in culture, you're talking about blood, you're talking about body, physical appearance, culture. You can see the melon carbon pigment visible. They get messed up with that. They're not looking at, well, wait a minute, hold up, hold up. Wait, wait a minute. The, the mother is everything. First of all, the mother is everything. Just like the ground is everything us to keep us alive. The air, the atmosphere, the hemisphere, and the earth. That's there's no mystery to it in culture. The problem is they got us arguing about shades of complexion, of skin, and not looking at the consanguinity of the people we come from that was the door of carbon and melon and physical and visible pygmy. In order to strip someone of their inherent right and they land, 
you have to first come up with a con vice trap tricks and trades Yes. Go what, ahead. Would you, what, what would you classify those as? But go, go ahead, brother. Let's talk about the con convites that Shim is alluding to. The convites that Shim is alluding to is the modern construct of race. Francois Benair. Francois Benair, who lived in modern day India in the 1500s for nine years in studying the, in the that caste system. So he applies some of those concepts in constructing the modern race paradigm. Who, who picked up on his work was Carl Linnaeus. Carl Linnaeus in the, 15, in the 1700s with his book, Natural Selection, in 1752. Who, also, who expanded on, on that work was Johann Frederick Bumerbach, a German anthropologist. So the black, white, red, brown, and yellow what they did was they came up with three, five constructs to classify the human family based on facial features, brain size, and phenotype, all right, or, or, and, and skin tone, all right? So, we, so those are the four constructs that was used. This is a modern, this is the deception that Shim is talking about. So when it's, they'll say, um, I saw somebody down the street. What did he look like? Was he black or white? <laughs> yeah, they just rested a black man. That's right. <laughs> Where did that come from? They just rested a black man. That's right. That's right. They just rested a white man. What did he look like? Black or white? Yeah. That's Colinaeus, Francois Benair, Johann Frederick Bumbach. They're ruling from the grave. These men are in the grave and controlling your mind. That's linguistic genocide. That's constructive birthright, race paradigm language. So that's that's what Jim is alluding to. I just wanted to provide a face to it. Call it Francois Benair, B-R-B-E-R-I-N-B-E-R-I-E-R in the 1500s. Call the Nagus, L-I-N-N. E-A-U-S, Johann Frederick Blumenbach, Blumenbach, B-L-U-M-E-N-B-A-C-H. These are very important. We must be able to articulate, to identify with specificity, with clarity, the linguistic genocide, the racial modern construct that we, that we have been indoctrinated with. This whole concept, this didn't exist. What you look like, black or white? They just rested a white man. That's a modern construct. Oh, he's a Moor. He's a Phoenician. Talk like that. He's a Japanese. He's a French. He's an Irish. They go, oh, he's black. He's orange. He's purple. He's no, he's black. He's purple. He's orange. He's white. He's brown. That's a construct. All right. Yes. Yes. So you see, um, audience and people uh, and uh, uh, brother Shem, real quick, it, I have the Canaan Moors in the room, and they are they low key antagonizing me because they know my tribal status. So um, they're saying I'm being quiet right now. 
because um, <laughs> they're saying I'm being quiet right now and that Indians are British subjects. Well, as far as I know, and as far as Brother Shem know, my ancestry extends before any contact with any Europeans over here. So could you all speak on those indigenous people who are here before the, the aspect of the British coming over and us contracting with them? Let's provide clarity. Yes. Indian is not the consequentity. We provide clarity. Indian is not the consequentity of any people. All right. So when Shem says Indian is a British subject, it's it's a more. Let's provide clarity. A more under the classification of Indian is a British subject in international law. Yes. Once again, a more classified as an Indian is a British subject in international law pursuant to the 1926 case in the International Court of Justice that is the British sub the Great Britain on behalf of the Cahuyuga Moors, but they say Indians versus the United States in the International Court of Justice. That's an arbitration case, once again, and more classified as Indian, not Indian, a more classified as Indian is a British subject. Not an Indian is a British subject. Political status. An Indian is not a British subject. A more classified as Indian is a British subject. That's too different. We have to articulate that. When you say an Indian is a British subject, it's not the same as saying a more classified as an Indian is a British subject. I want to make sure the language is articulated with clarity. I want to be unequivocally clear. I don't want to leave no doubt. When someone quote me, please quote me. Don't leave no doubt as to what we're saying. No doubt. No stone on turn will be left. I appreciate the answer. Thank you for the clarity. And you, that's the reason why I asked y'all to come out. That's why. Right there. That's why. <laughs> The floor is y'all's. Please keep building. The people is loving what y'all are saying. The comments there, everybody's being respectful and they are very attentive right now. Yes, that's 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 very clear because, like we said earlier, the word Negro, Negro was coined from the Spanish. In order to be a Negro, you have to be a Moor. So that's that's a Moor that's been categorized as a Negro. A more right. so that's right. that's that's being that's just called uh what Abdullah called um is called apartheid language apartheid and what it does is it's it's changing your character and that's the way of conquering the people and not letting them know you're the enemy because remember all the esquires wrote the treaties now you notice something deep when you read the 1744 treaty and the Moorish treaty the Lancaster Treaty Lancaster Treaty you notice that the Erie Corps made it clear that they say the five nations, they never call themselves Indian. Go to the Erie Corps Constitution. Yeah, that's, the word yeah. Indian is not in there. No, that's the word Indian don't exist nah, in there. Nah, that's exactly. the way. We got a document. The 1744 treaty make it separately clear. It said the five nations and the Indian nation. That's a separation. Who Now somebody said, what are the Indians? That's what the Moors call they conquer brother and sister they, they, they conquer descent that they conquer first 
So a, a Indian is first categorized as a there's a more first more subject. But he's a more, more subject. A more a more a more an Indian is a of a classification of a more of consequentity who right. is a subject of the Moors. That's right. Absolutely. A more of consequentity and a subject of the Moors. That's right. All right. That's thank what you, he's providing clarity. Yes, right. yes, yes. What happened is we go, let me get this real fact. The Camp Home Treaty, yes. when it when it's a, it's a dispute over land. Now the Camp Home Treaty met with the United States government. The reason why they met because there was a problem with the Indians, 1836, the status of a Moor that's been classified, denaturalized, and, the, and took away his consequentity as an Indian, was signing treaties with the United States. First of all, that was a violation of the British treaty, the treaty with France, Dutch, the 1763 treaty. Because excuse me, excuse me, brother Shem. I don't mean to, um, I don't mean to cut you, but it's people in the audience who are saying that um, the question was not answered, or I either did not ask it properly. So the the question is, are Indians Moors? Because this is the point that the Canaan Moors are trying to make, because they're trying to see where they fit into the jurisdictional rule or how that they supersede the some of the indigenous people here that's why they're trying to nope. get the clarity and then he alludes to the lenape moors all right shem shem has answered the answer well we review that shem has answered that question and i quickly i unquivocally stated that an indian Indian is no people. That's not. There's no people. This, 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 so, all right. That's all right. Let's look at the construct. I deal with language. The question is: Is an Indian a, a more? That's a colorful question. It's colorful. Indian is not a people. All right. That's clear on that. I want those who are listening. When you construct the sentence. Or question is a Indian a more? All right. The first thing you do, you don't answer that question. You don't answer that question. Is anyone, I want those who are listening, if anyone ever asked you if an is is an Indian a more, and you answer the question, you're already off. You're already off. The question is constructive. It is colorable. You must be able to recognize first that the question is colorable. Because to answer the question, you're saying that Indian is a people. There's no such people. Indian is not, there's no people. Moors. Have the Moors, here's the, let me give you the question. Have the Moors been classified as Indian? That's the proper question. We, we have, this is very important. I think one of the weaknesses, not, no, no, I don't think. I know. One of the weaknesses among those who know their Moors and those who don't know their Moors is language. That is a weakness. I said to Tamara the other day, Tamara Ill, 
co-founder of the Academy of Providence. I said the problem is, in fact, I said it to her yesterday. I said the problem is, you got those who know their mores. Start picking up a law book. That's the problem. The problem is they start picking up a law book and they go into law books and they go into these dictionaries and their language is poor. Poor grammar. Pick up a grammar book first. Put the law book down. No, I'm, I'm serious. Put the law book down and pick up a grammar book. What I'm saying is that we can't separate grammar, semantics, and linguistics from law. That's the problem. They're starting with poor grammar. They can't, their, their language skills are poor. They, they're looking at synonyms that being the same meaning. So when they go into the Black's Law Dictionary, yes, yeah, synonymous. And they read the word synonymous in a Black's Law Dictionary. Oh, yeah, synonymous means same. Synonymous does not mean same. That means you're not clear on semantical properties, shades of meanings, and connotations. So therefore, you're already deficient. Put the law book down and start with it would open you up. That's the problem. So once again, you must be able to identify or moors have moors been classified as Indians, not our Indians. Indians not a people. That's not a people. Let me go. Let, let me get you first. Oh, good. I was just about, I was about to ask a question about that because this is going to be the next question. If they're not Indians, then who are they? Because my people don't identify as Indians like the Lenape. We are Lenape. We are Natico. We are the original people of this landmass. Before, right. before any admixture. So just for clarity for those. All right. In the Air Corps Constitution, as Shem alluded and mentioned, Nowhere does the word Indian appear. This are, these are five, these are six nations. Six, six, as I said, six. There's six that formed a confederation, that formed that constitution. Nowhere in that constitution will you see the word Indian. In all these articles, 100 plus articles, you will not see the word Indian. We have, we have to, what I'm saying, we have to slow it down. We have to slow it down. We have to read. We're jumping in. Go to that constitution. You will not see the word Indian. My question, why doesn't the word Indian appear in anywhere and all of the any of the hundred plus articles in that constitution. That's one. Because they're that what Indians, they're not Indians, either Indian is not a consequentity. Let's go back. Indian is a modern English transliteration coming from the Sanskrit form Sindhu. Before it before it was constructed into the modern English form Indian, Sindhu, S-H-I-N, 
D-H-U, Sindhu. That's the name of a river in Sindhu. Then the then when the, there's a book called Medieval India under Muhammadan Rule, 711 to 713, 763. Medieval India under Muhammadan Rule, 711 to, to 1763 by Stanley Poole. When the Moors took over the area, the Moors abignized a lot of the words. A lot of the, lot of the Persian words and Sanskrit words were Arabicized. One of the words that were Arabicized was the word Sindhu. So the Silosius, so when removing the initial letter, that is called an aphoresis. So through the process, through linguistic process of aphoresis, the S was removed, thereby reconstructing the word, the Sanskrit form, Sindhu, to the Arabic form, Hindu. Now, there was a further removing. H was removed. It was further an aspiration. So the, the aphoresis was further done by removing H. All right? The so the H was removed, then you have Indian. That is the so they so they didn't they didn't they didn't create the word Indian. It's a what transliteration from Sindhu to Hindu to modern English form Indian. Indian is not a consequentity, a pedigree, a lineage, an ancestry. They said is Lenape a consequentity. So we, we have we have to be clear and we also so be clear that the once again that constitution air court constitution the word indian does not appear all right so a more once again a more is a brit a more classified as indian is a british subject in international law pursuant to the 1926 case between great britain and the united on behalf of the Cattayuga moors Versus the United States in the International Court of Justice, they'll deal with arbitration based on the Gantt Treaty of 1814. The solid points. Shem, anything to add? Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yes. Brother Shem, um, I know that you, um, me and you, we speak often. Um, and I know that me and you are actually, we have bloodline ties. We both are um, part of the Lenape. There are quite a few questions in here coming up about the Lenape. If possible, could you bring clarity on them? Because they're asking, what is the consequentity of the Lenape? Are the Lenape Moors? And um, they're asking, is Lenape a nationality? So can you um, answer those questions, please? Well, the, the Lenape are Moors. There are some, there was some Lenape that was 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 unto conquest of their brothers and their brother tribes. They they came under they, a lot of the, some of the Lenape um, clans came under uh, indentured servitude under their own brothers the Moors they Moors they came under the title Moors and what happened is that some of the Lenape's started kings and queens started signing treaties with the Dutch and if you go back and see some of the, the treaties uh, first signing of treaties was through the Lenape they Lenape clans that that's that over the Lenape Empire. They turned around and signed treaties with these different uh, European powers 
And when they did it, they put themselves, they allowed themselves through their language and through the express and implied contract to be to be taken care of and protected through commerce by the European powers. Therefore, they fell under the status of an Indian, a, what you mean, a subject of these crowns. But consanguinity and cultural identity, the Anunnaki's are Moors. First, they categorized themselves as British Can subjects. You, now, when you say that they're Moors, can you be clear on that? Because the indigenous, well, the, the older name for Lenape is the Natico. And the Natico have history that goes back on this landmass over 12,000 years. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's a why, because it's a, because if you, if you say this and you leave it loose, there are going to people who's just going to run with it and they're going to start calling all of these Lenape Moors. So it has to be clear because they're doing it right now. Well, the, the, the Ninnacoles was the stronghold of the of the Moors Lenanapes. That's it. See, the Lenanapes held that host of the empire that stretched forth to call Susquehanna, Lenahoki, and Sheikh of Mexim, which William Penn into a verbal agreement, which he built the city of Philadelphia. Now, let's go back and describe the consanguinity, the cultural identity. We mean the adjective part of the Lenanapi Moors. Let's go to one of the Crown Esquires. He sat down with him. Now, he gave an illustration that Professor Abdul, a characteristic of the more culture-wise. But he said this, we're talking about description. He did a preposition phrase, and then he did a description describing the proper noun. That's the body. The body is the proper noun, the court, the man, the woman, the, the ligaments, the earth, where we come from the earth. When he described them, he said they are tall, well-built, long, kinky hair. He said they are handsome. They are handsome. They're beautiful people to look for. Handsome. handsome. So, so when you say more, you're just alluding to phenotype. Yeah, yeah, yes, we deal, we deal with the description. That's what we deal with the, the, we deal with the adjective. Phenotype, absolutely. Right, that's the cultural identity. So he said they have skin burnt like coal. The whole. Now, you have to understand. This is what... We, the Moors, get trapped in, in the Albion's power structure and, and, and indoctrination plays on this. Well, 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 if you wasn't, uh, or that you just like saying, uh, if you didn't have no real dark skin like, like coal, you're not a Moor. See, 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 you see what this happened? You see what this happened? They just, that's a division. That's the vision. The mother. Her consanguinity. When a mother have children, all her children don't come out all the time with the same characteristics of the skin. I mean, some come out burnt like coal. Some come out with a tan complexion. Some come. Out, it all comes through the consanguinity of the mother. What we have to do is protect that claim and, and educate on a level where they can't divide us. Now you're right, DJ. The Ninicoles, but however, the Ninicoles was some of the Ninico tribes was council or the Lenape nations because these 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 Ninico, these are nations inside a empire the Lenape empire excuse me not empire a kingdom a host of nations excuse me let me correct myself when the other Moors went down against them they conquered a lot of the nations of the Lenape and it became the Lenape became indentured servants to their own Moors brothers brother brother nations Sisters and brothers, they became an adventure 
when so, originally, were they identified as Moors, or was that an aspect of them contracting into like um, British subject to? Yes, that's that's came to contracting in the category. They allowed the squires to write. See what Abdullah was saying was right. See, consanguinity is the main thing, but the conquest through language is the draft, and you accept that. Being called out of a moor. I mean, you being now you're being taught as an adjective. You're being called a description, not a moor. You're being described as like a character created in the play. They are the authors of this through writings. Remember, Penn was an esquire. He wrote contracts for the agreements for the crown. So when he wrote. He was trained under the European system of the European scholar who taught racism. The Esquires was taught indoctrinated under that system of race. So when they wrote the Moors into treaties, when they wrote them, not when the Moors wrote them, because the Moors treaties make it clear that we Moroccan and Moors. You notice the Moors treaties, they say we Moroccan and Morris in one of the treaties is say United States citizen, it say a Moor, and it say American. You're talking about the Moor is the consequentity. The United States citizen is an adjective describing someone's political allegiance. America is describing somebody's political allegiance under allegiance. That's an, that's an allegiance identity of submission to servitude. The Moor in there is consequentity. That's culture. And the people got to know that. And then added that person. Okay, DJ, anything else? Yes. Now, you all said you sent me a list of treaties and books. There is, and you even sent me a website link with all these treaties on it. It's a reason and it's timelines and precedents. Can we get into the importance of the proper utilization of the treaties and things? I actually I sent you a list, and because the treaties then the treaties are dealing with government. So can we go from treaties and then can we go into what properly establishes a government body or a Moorish government body? Or is that even possible here in this landmass? So you're talking about political legitimacy. Right. First of all, political yeah. legitimacy is, is one acknowledging of himself with an inherent claim. An inherent claim means that you've been you've been inherit your land. You are the you are the offspring, you are the descent and kinsmen kinsmanship of the people that previous occupied these uh, estates, this territorial land. You can go back. Now, the first thing is testimony. What is testimony, Shim? When a people hand down, they invoke testimony. They hand down to a roll or scroll, or they, they put it in their memory through education so that people can, they can hand down the inheritance the inheritance is in education and is in language. And what we have to have the knowledge of is to know first that the people of this continent, we can't be the ones that let somebody make decisions for us. We have to make them for ourselves. We have to say we take in account these ancient treaties because they're of our people as a Jew, as the Jewel proofs. What you mean? The volume of equity, it was the volume of equity, the decisions, the decrees, the uh, conventions, and the history 
the wealth, the wealth is that. The wealth is these ancient treaties, these ancient scrolls, these ancient artifacts, these ancient rules, and the ancient testimonies that's on scrolls and rolls left for us. That is the inheritance. If you don't get no education or you're not taught or learned of your people in other land, and you don't know where the latitude, latitude boundary, dominion of these people, then you are in servitude. You can never claim anything. The people got to know. They don't know where they are right now. You ask anybody in the world, they're in the Western Hemisphere. They don't know they're in the East. That's the first loss right there. How you going to go to the world court and make a map and say you're a people, and then when you go to hang your map, you hang the same, you hang the same constructed, constructed and, 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 and apartheid map that strip you of your consequentity and strip you of your culture consequentity and strip you of the inheritance of the land because you can't even tell your ancient foremothers and forefathers are fun. You can't tell because you don't know where you are in the world. The compass. So when you, make, when you go by a map, you have to go by a map of your ancestors and use that map and use the old name. Somebody said, you can't use the name because the, it's America now. You brainwashed. They brainwashed you. They got you because you, you, you're not your ancestors that was here before the word America was even coined. That don't do, that's not a people. That's not a land. That's a political jurisdiction. The ground that we stand on, our mothers and fathers come out of the ground. That's not the ground. I have, a, I have a question pertaining to that statement because you said before America was coined. So how does that fit for someone, just so I'm being fair in this statement, how does that fit for someone identifying as an American Indian or a Moorish American? All right, let me answer that. Absolutely. The, the, the name America, like the name, like Indian, Indian was not coined. American is not coined. American is a reconstruction, just like Indian is a reconstruction from Sindhu. American is a reconstruction. In linguistics, it's called a transliteration or reconstruction or sound shift. There's, so the vowels, when you when you talk about shifting, ablot, A-B-L-A-U-T, that's called ablot. When there is a vowel shift, the vowel shifts to create a different pronunciation. American, Moroccan, do ablot, do vowel shifts, is now pronounced American. That is not a coining that's ablot. I'm giving you the proper linguistic terminology. All right. We have to look at the linguistic terminology of the methodology because the linguistic terminology identifies the methodology of the sound shift. It's called ablot. Right. So it's a, it's a change of pronunciation. When that happens, when there's a shift, the, right, what is the motive, Abdullah? What is the political motive of doing an ablot methodology of shifting the sound from, Amer from Morocco to American? It creates a different jurisdiction. So when Jim is talking about American 
creates a, a the British zone jurisdiction, we have to use the name um, Moroccan. Right. We know, teach that the name American is an ablot from Moroccan. We are Moroccans. Go back to the original sound. Go back to the sound previous to American. Moroccan. The treaties. Hear me out. The treaties between the European powers and Morocco from 1610 to 1892. The treaty between Morocco and France, Morocco and England, Morocco and the United States, Morocco and the Netherlands, Morocco and Sardinia, Morocco and Spain, Morocco and, 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 and Denmark. Those treaties between 1610 to 1892. American is not there. They don't say the treaty between the American Empire and France. The treaty between the American Empire and Germany. The treaty between American Empire and Sardinia. It's Morocco. Use the word, the name that's in those treaties. Morocco. I just want to give, I just want to give people something clear, something that's directive, something that's focused, something that's well settled. Jim. Or can you can you see the question on the bottom of the screen? Yes. Everyone can see and hear you. Yes. No, no, no. Um, it says tell him to speak on our Moroccanus El Stados Republicanos. All right, let me speak on that. Yeah. I, I want to make sure he's he's talking if you're asking me to speak on the linguistics of it or it being was he, I, I guess it will for the I, audience. I gotta be clear. All right. Is, 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 that a name, is that a name of, is he claiming, he or she claiming that to be a name of a legitimate body politic? Or is he asking me to speak on that? Is that the name of the land? Uh, you want to speak on the linguistics of it? Says, I, I have being, to be clear. I can't. He said it's being relative to um, linguistics. All right, then I all right. Once again, Morocanos. You're using ablot. A B L A U T. Vowel shifts. That's all. The vowels were not used. The construction of a word is its consonants, not vowels. The vowels has nothing to do with the construction of a word. The consonants. So as you are shifting consonant, vowel, I mean vowels, the sound changes. So you're saying Moroccan, Moroccanos, American. All that is is ablock methodology. That is the most. That is a linguistic methodology. That is the proper way to answer the question through linguistics. It's ablock. You could do, he can do A M A M U U R I K A on OS. You could do A M O O K, you know, Amuro Cuddles. I mean, you could A M O R I K N S. I mean, we can, that's just, you're just changing the pronunciation. 
But keep in mind, what is the name of the sovereign body that are in the treaties between 1810 and 1892 between Morocco and the European power? What name? Please hear me, y'all, please. What name appears in the treaties? As far as we I know, a lot of a lot of them haven't read the treaty. We gotta give them some solid. Yes, we can't, um, we can't be the, all over the place. We gotta just we gotta go to what's well we, settled. A lot of the Moors are um they're appreciative of the information that you're putting out. And um I kind of I feel like some of them are getting the wrong idea about this. This was solely for clarity so that we all can move forward as a whole, because I see a lot of misinformation coming from both well coming from both sides but my main thing is like the jurisdiction for well as it pertains to you all being here the jurisdiction for the moorish americans i feel that should be properly identified that way that they understand where they stand and that it doesn't supersede other indigenous people here on the land unless they unless they're acknowledging that they're under uh, british rule and then, then it's possible in some aspects. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Well, when, when, when we look in modern time to now, we have to look to the 1856 treaty in the Accra Algiers and the, and the 1912 treaty because the, the French was operating as a successor of the Sultan. That's, that's the protector, French protector. 1906. We're dealing with control of with control and operations in Morocco here in the continent, North, Central, and South Morocco. If you got North, Central, South America, then you got to have North, Central, South Morocco. It's impossible to have North, Central, South America and not have North, Central, South Morocco. You got to have that. Because that's what that political jurisdiction came, where it came from, it created it. It had to come from the parent. So now let's deal with this. In the 1856 treaty, when Great Britain was dealing with political jurisdiction over civil and criminal disputes, long you saying treaty or okay, we talking about treaty, treaty, it's with the treaty, 1856 treaty. Right, the general treaty. Junior treaty with, between Morocco and Great Britain. Yeah, right. 1856. Thank you, right. When when the when the jurist on the side of the crown was making a treaty with the Moors, they wasn't allowed to write the treaty in a connotative way because the Moors was educated. See, this is why I say the linguistics was educated Very comprehensive and contracts because they knew contracts can denationalize you and take away your political status that you serve to, to the very people that you, you're signing. And they are you are the hosting nation. They are the, they are this foreign nation. In that treaty, the word Moorish, Moor, and Moroccan is in that treaty. Matter of fact, that is one of the only decorated treaties besides the 1744 treaty, the Lancaster Treaty, where Morocco made it clear that they got original jurisdiction. What do you mean, Shem? In the treaty, it said if a dispute arise, civil or criminal, anymore, it didn't say Indian, didn't say an American. See, see, these are that's not constant. That's, that's what I said. See, what I'm the, saying. see, they was dealing with cultural identity, that's, that's not political right. allegiance. That's the difference. That's the, the Indian, Negro, 
These are denationalized through language to bring you under what? Political allegiance of the crowns, these governments. But when you use the word Moors, Moroccan, or Moorish, that's cultural identity connected to consanguinity. So friends say that the Moor have original jurisdiction, the Mukti, or the head of state, Great Britain, made it clear that the Moors, as a defendant in any civil criminal dispute, they have original or, or the treaty makes it the clear. treaty makes it clear. The language in the treaty makes it clear that they have original jurisdiction. Now, if the Moor is suing any nation or state that's been given to operate in the in the French political Spanish zone or Portuguese zone or the Neverland zone pursuing the treaty. And she it made it clear in the treaty of 18. 65 was a general treaty between Morocco and Great Britain, 1856, that any state through conquest or treaty against the United States, they are a state through a treaty of 1783. We'll have to go no further with that's that. The, that's the treaty between the Treaty of Paris between Great Britain and United States. Now, when they made that determination that if a more has a civil or criminal dispute, and the Moor is a plaintiff, they agree that the Moor's counsel will go to the British counsel, and they will argue that matter, and they, the British counsel will be the what? The judicial officer, not the Supreme Court judges, not these other nations that op anybody operating, not the freeholders, or not even the Penn family that have all these got these letters of patent, it is the, is the parent. The protector, the French protector in a 1952 case, bars a moor, it didn't say Indian. Remember that case to argue, it was arguing about consanguinity, a lowly entitled, the origin of the people of the land. We sat down with these ancient people signed grievous treaty. They used the word moor, Moroccan. Why is that in the 1852 case with the world body? Why did they win? 1952. Why did that, they win this case? That's a 1952 case between right. France and the United States in the International Court of Justice. At the Hague. All right. Yes. Who had the most favorable nation status? Yes. Go ahead. Now, when something come up like that, the United States was granted a charter to operate the British, to use the British colony franchisee. Franchisee. They franchise. They're using the British colony names, the Delaware, New Jersey. They use the names as a lease to run a corporate government. Now, in these treaties was the word more, not American, not Indian, not Negro. When you see this on a high level like that, these are jurists looking back. And they use it with Abdullah say linguistics. They go back before the 14th century because they know the ancient people and they look at the earlier child and the language that that word come from they use it because they know they use the wrong word to strip them of their claim in the world court so this is very important that we have to look at the, the problem is we, we're not trained on the international law we're not trained culture we're not trained in our Moorish culture mean with customs ceremony festival rituals uh, rocks, rich. We're not trained in these uh, uh, festival holidays. We're not trained and educate in them. So when you look at world cases and they're arguing, I tell somebody, 
if you call yourself an Indian, Indian you just you are more consequently, you just going under the category of submitting yourself and take listen to me, you evading yourself first of the treaty protection, the Moors treaties, because this is what I say. You can't be an Indian with that status as an Indian. That's one of your political allegiance status. And try to enforce a Moors treaty. They're going to block you because the treaty does not give the characteristic of a person, a British subject, can't bring that claim. Just like a Moor can bring a claim and say, hey, watch this. You are violating the Indians. That's a Moor can do that. A Moor can bring a claim against Spain, France, or anybody in the world court and say that you are violating the Indians. And they can prove it by going to the 1744 treaty and going to the Camp Home Treaty and saying that they are associated bank, the Indians. What you mean? There are Moors first under the category name of apartheid as an Indian. I mean, they just, they just, they've been denationalized as a British subject through language and to political allegiance, not to consequently cultural identity. You can't strip that from them. So we have to understand is to come together and respect. If you say you are Indian nation, let me explain what's going on so we don't have to argue. Thank you. You saying that you are a nation, I, I'm, I'm going to say another thing, Venezuela, Colombia, Brazil. These are political allegiance. These are people that have a political allegiance to France, Spain, Great Britain, England, Portuguese, Dutch. They, they're using a political, they come up with a name based on what? Denotation. They're taking away the language claim. They don't have a, they don't have a, 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 a cultural identity to morph. Because if they did, when they made when they made a constitution, they would let it be known in there that status and a cultural identity of the people that's forming that constitution. That would be in the preamble. Absolutely. That would be a preamble of the constitution yes. of of uh, uh, of the um the Dominican Republic constitution right. of Dominica Argentina, constitution Argentina Peru um, Haiti Nigeria Rica, Africa yes, that would be in the constitution. Congo, we the people. Of Morocco, we the people of Morocco, preserving our ancient Moorish consequently and customs and yep. festivals. You know, they claim to be Argentinians, they claim to be Dominican, they claim to be, you know, a Cubans. So, let's be clear. Let's be clear. When, when, it's, when it's said that those who are classified as Negro color black have not claimed their nationality. I'm gonna say with those who classified as Dominicans and Argentinians and Cubans and Venezuelans and El Salvadorians have not claimed their nationality. Hold on, let's be clear. I'm gonna say it again. Those who claim to be Dominicans, El Salvadorians, Colombians, Nicaraguans, Peruvians, you know, and ETC have not claimed their they have not publicly declared their nationality don't you go and beat up you are not going to just beat up those or classify as black nigger color i'm not going to allow that they have not claimed their nationality either that is not their nationality that is a political allegiance that Nicaragua identifies a their political allegiance it does not identify their nationality their cost of their consequences. 
So we talk, so what they're doing is they're using nationality in the political sense of allegiance, but in the original sense of nationality. It's used in the consequences. Let me finish. In 1935, in the 1935 German Nationality Act, let me go prior to 1935, throughout the 1800s, there was a political football between just solely and just singleness. Just singleness is blood. Just solely land. So, so just solely and just singleness. A political football throughout the 1800s throughout, and throughout Germany. So what happened was, to make it clear, 1935 German Nationality Act. German was used. They made it very clear that German in this act will be used in the sense of consequentity and not in a political sense. Prior to that, German was used in a political sense of in the political sense of just solely. So what was they doing? What was that act doing? What does that act mean? In the they were nationalizing, claiming the what the inheritance by making it clear in that act. That a German is one of German consequentity, having nothing to do with a German being used in a political sense. All right? Let me be clear here. We got to be clear on nationality being used in the consequentity sense. I am a Moor. That's my consequentity. I go to China. And then there's a naturalization laws of China, and I qualify that. All right. Now, I'm gonna always be a more. That's my consequentity. But now I'm a Chinese citizen. A, a I'm a I'm a more consequentity. A more more's blood. Who no longer has allegiance to Morocco. I renounce my allegiance to Morocco, and I now have allegiance to China. I am a more a Chinese citizen. I'm a Chinese citizen of Moore's descent. That's fundamental. All right. Uh, Brother Shem, he 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 expresses it very well when he say it. Can you can you can you yourself express like your na your nationality and your personal consequentity? That way, like the people can hear how somebody who's knowledgeable expresses it. Okay. If one would ask me, say, Shim, uh, what is your, what is your, what is your national, uh, your national, your, your, your nationality for its consanguinity? And I would have to say, um, I'm a more. The reason why, because I'm dealing with carbon, melon, physical, a pygmy, visible can be seen. Now, that's my consanguinity. Now, what people are you from? I would say this here. My culture allegiance is Israel because Israel, Jacob, Abraham, Moab, Ishmael, these are Moors, but their cultural identity is of the Moorish nation, which is the melon carbonated people with pygmy that you can visibly see that was called these names, title names of the land. So somebody say, uh, well, you're saying you are a, 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 a Israeli more? Yes, absolutely. Because these are ancient names that go back. These are that descent. 
So the only the problem we got is we looking at we looking at political allegiance and status, and not looking at consanguinity culture. And, and see, remember Germany when they made that clear, they never say anything about doing any DNA testing. What the hell do that come from? Oh my God! You got a great brother, brother Shim, brother Shim, just for clarity. Because there's people who are trying, they're trying to say that I, I lied on you. But can you, um, do you have any Lenape ancestry? Yes. Thank you. I, I'm a direct descendant for them. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. As am I. We, we have blood ties. Yes. So just for clarity, I have no reason to lie on anybody or anything. I'm here for the information that you all can have clarity. So Everybody I don't feel any ways about anything that has been said. And for just for clarity, Brother Shim. Isn't that your personal consanguinity and nationality? Others are entitled to their own. Am I correct? Yes. If 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 and if, if they, that's an inherent right upon the people that come together and come together and determine what's their cultural identity based on consanguinity. Nobody can strip a person. If you're in a province or a region of an of a territory in the Moroccan Empire, which is called Sheikh Mechem, which is called Linen Hokey, or uh, or, or, or Susquehanna, which is what? Part of what? Turtle Island. If you make a claim there, you can't be all the way down in the, in, 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 the, uh, in the north part of Morocco or Turtle Island and say that you're ruling people up there, higher territory, and you don't know about what's going on. You know about government. You don't, you don't know what's going on. Okay, since we're getting into the government and I have you here, I have a particular organization. They claim to be the only ones that have it right. They are, they claim that they are the United States Republic, which was established in 2015, which can be found to be a corporation. And they utilize, they establish themselves underneath the premises of walking in Prophet Noble Juali's footsteps, but some would call them a renegade operation. And it can be found that they have established their jurisdiction out of Indiana and they have re they have received documentation of acceptance from a de facto system that they are saying gave them jurisdiction in order to supersede all others. So could you make this claim for the people? Because to me, it sounds like a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So uh, thank you for that, DJ. Yes. When you that's that's what we we have to. When you let's analyze that using jurisprudence all right and we have to teach the people how to analyze so the so someone when you make somebody makes that claim i got it you ask the question mm, when was their constitutional convention you ask when was their constitutional convention that's I've never I'm seen one. I've never seen no, one. I've never. No, what, I, what I'm doing is, I'm. Oh, I'm not, I know what you're doing, but I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. So we're teaching the people how to analyze. They don't know. The people don't know how that they, they they don't know political legitimacy. So they have to be taught how to analyze based on the principle of political legitimacy. So you ask, when was the Constitutional Convention? You don't first ask, do they have a constitution? No, no, no. When was their constitutional convention? When do they do they have a population of people as voters that received that constitution for review? 
all right? So what is their population, all right, of people as voters? So that's two. And they're making those claims there, all right? So you're talking about the, when was the Constitution ratified and sent mm -hmm. to the people for me? When was the Constitution ratified? All right, Shim, you have another questions? Yes. And if you're claiming a mass territory in your con in, in, when you make that claim, what are you offering to the inter international community of your Moorish and your cultural a, a political identity of the people, the cultural identity of the people that's in the constitution? Who are the people that's drafting it and who is the body of people that's coming together? What is their cultural identity? What is the attachment to the land? Where is they the longitude latitude of the of the country? They have a president, and there's one individual. As I don't know if there was a voting that happened. There's a couple of the members in the chat. You all can chime in. I'll be happy to put your answers up just so it's clarity. But they are saying go to the website, and they the trip. And I applaud brothers who stand firm on their square. I'm just about, I'm not about the foolishness and I'm about the facts because it is our people who are being led into these directions. And whether if it's right or if it's wrong, I just want to be sure because these are still my brothers and my cousins and stuff. So for clarity, I don't mind if you get bust down. I don't mind if anything gets bust down because we are all still students and we're learning and we have to learn to stop being emotional about information. Well, anytime you see a people come together, without a convention, that's number one. Because the reason why a convention is thrown because there's, there's more than a host of sovereigns. And then you don't see them bind together in a treaty. That's second, it's, it's not a population of people. There's no constitutional structure. Um, and then you see them go to a party or a, a corporate state or corporate nation that don't even have jurisdiction in the territorial lands of Morocco. That means they're not there's not a jurist operating that. Like Abdullah said, they picked up law and they're not responsible for grammar. You know, Abdullah, right, you have to understand grammar, language. And language is looking back and grabbing the old writings, the old instruments, and presenting them as evidence of your inherent people had it back then. It wasn't delegated to them. No one can give it to them. It's a right to claim, to inheritance, to voluntary acceptance. Anytime you say that you are a sovereign nation over the whole Morocco empire here in North of Turtle Island, when you make that statement, you are operating as a sultan or a emperor or empress. That's a monarchy. That means you don't care who the population of people is. Then you say you go to someone that's not even the most favorable nation. And you go to them and they de facto ask them for a treaty when they are getting permission from someone else to operate business. You go into them, that's de facto. That means you don't know what you're doing. You go to somebody that don't absolutely have jurisdiction in Morocco. Why are you going to them? You're saying that you acknowledge yourself and you go to them, they acknowledge you, so therefore they delegate you authority. You got to acknowledge them. You are the descent and kinsmanship of the people that acknowledge them, that they beg for rights and permission. How are you going to go to them and say they acknowledge your national right? That comes from 
not being a jurist handle it, and you have you don't understand grammar, and you haven't understand the tree. You haven't looked back with Sokofaberg. You haven't looked back to educate yourself. You're not you're not educated. You indoctrinated, and under that doctrination, you probably come from some kind of wrong mentality of thinking, and you want to usurp your authority over the people without knowing how to do that based on well-settled principles and jurisprudence of law and culture. Grab, do you want to add to that? All right. Uh, wonderful, Shim. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, definitely don't have anything to add to that. Uh, let me. What I will say to that is for 28 years, what I have observed is five moors or 10 moors will come together and they will create a name. They will create a name of body and they will claim to be the Moorish national federal, whatever, whatever. They would claim to have the sovereign authority. They they would act, they would, they would make the claim that they have the sovereign authority, all right, from the from tens of millions of Moors. That's how they will act. They act that the tens of millions of Moors, all right, voted through a plebiscite. That there was a plebiscite where a population of millions of Moors to a plebiscite delegated this body of five or ten Moors authority. So we are the we are the Moorish national whatever whatever whatever. I've seen that for twenty eight years. Abdullah, why do they do that? Let me answer that. Some do that to use this Moorish movement as a business. Oh, yes. As DJ said, he don't care about busting it out. Neither do I. I don't care about busting it out either. I'm talking about 28 years of observation. They're going to sell nationality cars. Oh, yes. They're going to sell packages. Oh, yes. And they're going to pay their car note. They're going to pay their rent. They're going to pay their mortgage. They're going to buy their children clothes. All right. Through selling that. And they will say, well, you know, somebody, we got to get paid. But you will not delegate authority. There's no constitution. There's no checks and balance. Oh, yes. Let's bust this thing out. They're using it as a business. Now, um, that was, um, I felt it, I felt it. I, appre I appreciate your candor for sure. And just the level of honesty. And even there is, there's some brothers from the, from the indigenous community um, who, who um, tribe is, who will be coming on later in order to divorce some of their opinions. But I know themselves, they have been able to go back and see like forms of sub branches being formed back of the MSTA all the way back in like the 1929, 1930, like right after Prophet stopped. I seen the Moorish, it was the, it was the Moorish shrine temple. And that was an FBI document. So this is something that has been long going all these generations of offshoots of the temple and these misconstruing. That's the reason why I wanted to have 
this level of clarity here. That way it can be understood. What was for the MSTA is for the MSTA. And when you go outside of that, you're not operating in that. Uh, that should be simple. Well, I'm a firm believer. When you use a man as an anchor, it's like you got you on a ship, a vessel. You don't want you you're going to a shore, a pier. You have to anchor the ship. Who made the ship, and who put the, who, who 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 had the anchor? So you go back to the architect who built the ship that you on. The the, the, the navigation hems on the ship and the wheel. Who's who, who's navigating the vessel, and who's saying drop the anchor? So when you go back to a man like Timothy Jew, Noble Jew Ali, you have to go into what he say. And the problem is they don't want to go back and read, want you to read what he say his authority was, what he was doing, his mission was. When you read what his mission was and you read that he signed it, he endorsed it, and he had witnesses like five or six grand sheiks signed it, then we have to go with that and see, are you doing what he's saying in our authority? Now, when you come back with a constitution, say he written it, per, and it doesn't that, per, Excuse me, I don't mean to cut you, but per that statement, I have heard Cannon Bay say it himself on video on Tahaka's platform. He is walking in the prophet's footsteps because he has utilized the words of the prophet saying, that we have our own government and he took it upon himself to establish that said government. Okay, let, let me say something. Once again, I'm gonna go back to what Noble Jurali say in his authority. He said he said to promote the, the doctrine of Prophet Muhammad, the Quran. That's what he said. He never said in it that he was a prophet, number one. Yep. Let me explain, let's go into ecclesiastical law. Let's leave social trust alone, because we're dealing with clean. I have to say, when he made it the thing of a prophet, the seer, that's ecclesiastical law, culture. That means he's going by what the prophets say, the seer, the foresee, the one to go to the unseen world, receive the revelation, and come back and say, this is what we have to do to obey them. Now, he never said anything else but what he said in there. Now, the Aquarian gospel is nothing of a revelation that noble Jew Ali received from as the Dauti. To receive the cosmic record. That is a old revelation that's already been written and stored in a library. See, we got to stop playing with each other. A prophet or a prophetess or a seer or an apostle, when they are ordained by the invisible powers of the invisible world, they are talked, they are talked with. They are ordained and told, it's they invoke and told them who they are. When you hear a man, you, when you say a man is a prophet or a seer, are you ordaining him? Or did he proclaim himself as a messenger himself? There's a difference between a prophet ordained by the cosmos than a prophet of a, 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 a proclamation of himself or other people. That's a separation. See, we got to break this thing down. Now, we don't have to argue about noble Jurali because he wasn't my teacher. Now, hey, hear me out. Neither the people that I come from come from under Noble Drew Ali. Neither this revelation and knowledge that me and Abdul got don't come from Noble Drew Ali. Me and Abdul was desert, we was given this in our mother wombs. 
We are ordained not by our mother. We, this is put in us when we came in our mother womb to set the record straight for this time. The problem is everybody wants to add on. No, would you Ali say this? No, would you Ali did this? But no, would you Ali never said it himself when he was alive. He's dead now. You can say what you want to say. And what hurts you bad is when you can't validate he did that because you was not born back there. And the ones that was born back there only was going by our authority. You won't, you won't look at our authority. You try to throw that in a garbage can now. But you will say, oh, our authority is in Cook County. But you won't let nobody talk to you with you on that and say, let's stay here. I don't need you running all over the place like a racehorse or a greyhound dog or rabbit. I need you to stay still right here. And let's deal with what he said. Once we acknowledge what he said, now what are you doing based on that authority? What are you doing now? That's all we got to do. Yeah, that's we put articles on corporation. Absolutely. And Cook County. We hear people, we hear Morris say this. Listen, Morris, you already, the man made it clear in ecclesiastical that he's following Prophet Muhammad, the Quran. That is a, a that's ecclesiastical claim. Moors come together and enforce the treaties, the Moroccan and Moors treaties. Come together as a community, all of y'all. Have an election. Have a grand body set up with election. Get your flag, whatever you got. Let's come together and sign a treaty so we can protect the land, our women and children, our sketch honor. Let's stop playing these word games. And bringing up stories and mysteries that you can't prove the man said himself. If a shotgun was cocked to your head, a double barrel, and it said, prove that Nova Durali said that, you would be dead. Because you couldn't prove it. Let's stop playing. Let's love one another. Next. Once again, I appreciate the candor and the aspect of just, you know, us being realistic about this because there we're supposedly in a pandemic there are people who don't have their financial situation in order but we it's hard to move forward when you don't have your mental space proper because us as indigenous people we like to identify to something and i do i can i can see that we have identity crisis this is one of the reasons why i feel like genealogy is important for us that way we can at least understand where we come from and this is also why i believe it was so easy for so many people to identify with MSTA because we don't know where we come from. And that is some, that's a place that gives you an identity. And these are stateless people who don't understand where they come from. And she, she DJ, what happened is, like Abdullah read a couple of weeks ago in the house of me awakening mind. When a Russian, and hear me out, this is not to political allegiance. This is to, this is considered to them as a cultural identity. Now, you have to see what's going on here. When they make a claim, they make a claim as one. One, not of the, oh, oh, oh this person, his black Russian, this uh, uh, Negro Russian, this uh, uh, Latino Russian, this Mexican Russian. You would never see them adjectives in front of the word Russian. You never see that. While when they argue with the world body, they don't let nobody come in there. And I go in Russia and say, I want every Russian to take a DNA test to prove that they from Russian, they from the Phoenician, mm -hmm. the ancient people. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna kill you. you, you that's a war, that's an act of war. We Moors gotta stop that mess, let them do this stuff to us. Your blood pedigrees to your mother, not to your father. That's the lineage. 
That's not the blood pedigree. Somebody says, what are you talking about? Shiva Hosha? Yes, I, I can prove that. If under the ancient Moab, Ishmael was Arabia and Israel system, the man could not give his children the inheritance unless he had a woman that was of his what? Cultural identity of that nation. It couldn't be from a foreign nation. Even if they had more consequently, they still couldn't be from a foreign nation. What do you mean? They have to have a political, that more had to have a political and cultural allegiance to that territory of land and the mother. So the man could not give his inheritance away. I'm going to show you another example. When the Israel came out of servitude from the nations, the prophet looked at them and said, hold, you can't, these children and women cannot inherit the land. You can't even stay married to them. Now, what, 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 what are we talking about here? We're talking about true foods. They say, take the women and the children and give them a gift and send them away back to their country. Why, if you didn't marry a woman and she didn't have your children, they couldn't get the land? That's the matriarch principle. The blood pedigree was in a woman. Abraham, Isaac sent their children back to the land of to the land of the Phoenician land, Chaldean land. They had to cross back over the desert and marry a woman from the original house, the country in order to get the inheritance. Now, Abraham married women in the land of Canaan, which is a foreign nation, because the Hebrews are crossed over Chaldean. So you have to know what's going on here. So when he crossed over, he married other women. Watch this. They could not get the inheritance because the woman. So if the pattern that the blood pattern, that the inheritance is in a man, we moors are sadly mistaken because there's too much evidence to lock us down. Now, getting back to one day I missed. Air to a constitution, preserve that right because they were spiritual people. Remember, the little nappies were part of that uh, confederacy, and it was what they were the most. They was a spiritual. Did you say? Excuse me. Did you say The phone had broke up for a second. Did you say Iroquois? The article forty-seven preserved the matrilineal principle. Yes, matrilineal principle. Absolutely. Now, you know that. Anytime a seer deals with a people and they have a seer, if you're going to operate and say Noble Jew Ali is a seer, that means Noble Jew Ali have to bring to you something that we lost. It may got to be a shown a description of he would have to say that the cosmos, the Ethans filled me and spoke to me. And the cosmic received the revelation from the cosmic womb that enlightened me with what? Revelations. The language, the revelation. See, when a man don't or a woman don't say that, you can't put that on them. You can't grant them that. See, this is what we're doing. We're granting titles and statuses to men and women that they never say themselves. So the little nappies was the spiritual. I could go back and grab documents. To prove that the little nappies have had prophets and had prophetess that prophesied that went into speaking in languages and receiving revelation. Yes, the little nappies was considered a spiritual, more divine, the more divine people of peacemaking. This is how the European played on them through friendship, kindly friendship, being kind, friendship, amnesty, then taking the Europeans then and giving them asylum, and then you turn around and adopt them as your brother and as your sister in violation of the Torah, 
in violation with the Iroquois practice, which is dealing with uh, what do you call it when you bring somebody in, you're dealing with uh, adoption. They 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 use that same principle of the Katora. You could not do that. You could not bring nobody in on the land unless they're going through the Torah with the ceremony. There has to be a ceremony done. That's culture. We got to attach ourselves back to culture. And what we're not doing, we're not we're not attacking ourselves back to culture. We're not attaching ourselves. We're attaching ourselves to what? I heard it to the grapevine. See, that's what we're doing. It's, as, it's, it's being made up as they go along. As every year or every decade go on, somebody come up with a new story, a new myth. That throw us off. It's all only to throw us off. Well, you want to add any professor? Oh, that's um good good point there. And um, one thing about the um, that's the there's a book titled by Merlin Stone, When God Was a Woman. And in that book, she it her research is in the area of the Middle East, and uh, she shows the ancient that the matrilineal and matriarchal system, matrilineal, where the wealth, titles, inheritance passed down the mother line of the family, or, or uh, kin. Matriarchal, where mother rules, that present those principles are preserved in Article 44 to Article 47 of the Iroquois Constitution, yes. or, or the Danasi Constitution. This is the ancient practice. So sovereignty. The ancient concept of sovereignty is in the woman. That's the ancient concept of sovereignty. Let's, let's talk. The ancient concept of sovereignty has been suppressed. It's preserved in the 40, Article 44 to 47 in the Autodonasi Iroquois Constitution. That's the ancient concept of sovereignty. So this, this ancient concept of sovereignty was practiced worldwide and for thousands of years, the modern concept of sovereignty was constructed in between, eight, between 1644 and 1648, the, the, the Westphalia, Peace of Westphalia. That's the modern concept of sovereignty, that these nation states throughout the world when these nation states convene the United Nations and different confederations using the modern concept of sovereignty that was constructed during the Peace of Westphalia between 1644 and 1648. This is very important. We got to rise to become jurists. All right. So this the Peace of Westphalia of 1648 is suppressing the ancient concept of sovereignty that was in place for a thousand years worldwide. The Haradanasi Constitution preserves the ancient concept of sovereignty, Article 44 to Article 747. This is very important. I don't I don't think they heard what you said. I don't think they heard that. Can you repeat that part? Because that's yes, that was really All right. The Article 44 to Article 47 are the Order of the Nazi slash Iroquois Constitution preserves the ancient concept of sovereignty that had been in place for thousands of years, had been practiced 
for thousands of years worldwide. There's a book called When God Was a Woman by Merlin Stone. And there's another book called The Great Cosmic Mother. The Great Cosmic Mother is another book. There's the, the Peace of Westphalia, where you've got 100 nations convened, where they, they, they were issue of decades of wars. So to settle that, they came together in Urich from 1644 to 1648. That is called the Peace of Westphalia. That Peace of Westphalia constructed the modern concept of statehood and the modern concept of sovereignty. Please hear me. We must understand this. We're going to be able to dance with those jurists. We're going to be able to dance with you, jurists. We're going to be able to dance with you, United Nations. We're going to be able to dance with you, the Hague. We're going to be able to dance. I have a comment. I have a comment, and they're, they are alluding to that you all are very astute in history, but you all are not good with um, law as it pertains. And I was like, clearly they don't understand you all's background. You actually teach people about this type of, about how to actually become a jurist. So they are, this is USAR. These are individuals who believe that they hold the highest claim. And it's just, I, I felt like that was a super disrespectful statement just because I understand what you all do for the people. You actually teach these people law. That's the reason why I brought, I brought you all on because you know this better than these people who are assuming to know it and you've been doing it for years. And that's the reason why you all are saying what you are saying because you can back it up and you can prove it. Go ahead, brother Abdul, I can hear you. All right, a jurist, a jurist consultant, a jurist consultant and a jurist has a great background in history, political science, political philosophy, linguistics. So you, so there's no way in the world that no one can be a student in law if they don't know history. You cannot be a student in law if you do not know history. Why? Why is history important? Because history gives you insight as well as language into well-settled principles. There's a, there is an article titled, The History of Equity Jurisprudence. Get that article, The History of Equity Jurisprudence. And in that article, that is well written, that jurist in that article, he goes back to the origin of equity, even before the Babylonian. He refers to the, 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 the script, the Hammurabi codes. But he referred that the Hammurabi codes did not come from Hammurabi, that they even come be, be prior to the Babylonian. So and, and so what he did was if they breaking down the Hammurabi codes and showed throughout the article the watered down over the period of centuries that equity jurisprudence had been watered down. You have those who go to law school don't know that. Those, law, those who go to law school do not learn what that jurist learned. 
those who go to law school only, they don't go back. This, uh, this author went back, went back to the Sumerian, went back to Chaldean, the well-settled principles. There's no way in the world you will never become a jurist. Never, ever, ever, ever become a jurist if you don't study history and language. There's no way in the world. There's no such thing as a jurist or Jewish consultant not knowing history and law because you don't, you can, because you don't, you will not base your argument and well settled principle. As I said before, in my, I said this in my, my getting to the roots class 201, the Academy of Providence, the classes tomorrow, the last class, the seven week course, getting to the roots, class number one. What I said to my class, I put the term Western civilization on the board. What the Avians did was take our culture and constructed the term Western civilization to make claim to it. You must understand the Avians, they go back to that which is well settled. They're suppressing. Why did I, what, and when talking about the peace of Westphalia, that's history. Are you aware that they're constructing, they're suppressing, as I said before, the peace of Westphalia of 1648 is the modern construct of statehood and sovereignty. What are they doing? They're, they're masking, they're suppressing that ancient concept of sovereignty that was been placed for thousands of years worldwide, which was based in the woman that is preserved in the that's preserved in the Adonazi slash Iroquois constitution. That's history. So how are you going to become schooled in law when you don't know history and language? Understand. Furthermore, you must understand what is there's two principles. You have the originalist and constructionist. The originals deals with the original intent, the etymology. Constructionist deals with the deals with they're suppressing the original intent. You must understand that. Let me let me refer to a case. Thompson, Foster versus Foster versus Nielsen. Foster versus Nielsen. This is a treaty case, the treaty between the United States and Spain. I think 18. 21 uh, treaty between the United States and Spain. The Foster versus Nielsen, in that, in, in, in adjudicating that case, the, that what was used was the English version of the treaty in that case. That case was quelled, it was what? It was revisited in United States versus Thompson. And United States versus Thompson, they used, they made an error. They, they recognized in Foster versus Nielsen, an error had been made. They, in that, in, so instead of using the English version of the treaty, which gave it a different interpretation, they used, based on the international canon of interpretation, they used the Spanish version of the treaty. And in Spanish, and using the Spanish version of the treaty, it gave a different interpretation that the Spaniards in ceding the land, West Florida, 
Moorish land, West Florida, to United States, they did not they did not see jurisdiction. So a Spaniard in that territory, in that Moorish land, their property was preserved. So those Spanish land grants were still enforced and protected by that treaty between the United States and Spain. That is the language that protected using the Spanish, once again, language. All right? So there, what's going on, DJ, is that they're not connecting history, language, and law. You have to talk history. See, they see what's going on. Understand what's going on, DJ, is that they're looking at law school. They're looking at how they they went online, right? And they look Rutgers University or Temple and so forth, and that these are the curriculum for someone to be a lawyer in law school, and they don't see that. And they say, oh, they're not. Where's the history at? Where's language? Shim, they're not being taught history. These people are taught law. <laughs> hold on, hold on, Shim. That's hold on. That's law school. Shim, how's that law school? There's no history. Now, that's can I uh, can I make a statement? I'm, I'm doing uh, that DJ because I you, we have to. No, 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 no. That's I, I I am thankful that you were doing that because it's necessary in order to lay out the historic background for the premise of the people that we are even speaking on. That way, there's foundation on the conversation. So for anybody who's not articulate enough in order to understand what was going on, I'm just um, we can slow it down a little bit for you. But, you know, like we, we dealing with some big brains over here, so it's OK. But I do have a bunch of USAR members keep on repeating themselves in the comments. They are saying um, they're asking me to mention statehood. They said we know civics. Ask him, is he stateless? Because they said nationality. And this is true. The temple cannot confer nationality. But I also nationality acquisition can come about multiple ways, such as, you know, um, bloodline marriage where you are born. If you're adopted, that's through the law. And that's the same thing that their teacher, Canon Bay, speaks on. So they asked about nationality, um, Moorish American nationality and being stateless. He said he, he, he this is the actual statement. So I can be, he said, he's stateless, DJ. He's referring to one of you all. He, they're calling you stateless because you don't belong to you, sorry. So do you understand how, do you understand how Moors are attacking other Moors like this saying that you're not right because you haven't clicked up with Canon Bay? Do you, do you see the ideology behind this? I feel like that's a colonizer mindset. All right. Let's, let's first for the audience. Once again, language, nationality acquisition. That is colorful. You can, you can acquire a car. You can acquire blood. Blood is inherited. That's genetic. That is construction. Once again, we must understand constructive language. So nationality Acquisition is constructive language by the international arena. You, you're, they're using nationality in the political sense, not in the consequentity sense. They're using nationality in the sense of allegiance. 
and political status, not in the sense of consequentity. So hear me out. We are Moors by consequentity. We say, well, Moors, let's get nationalized. We got to nationalize the people. Let's nationalize. What does that mean? There's no page of paperwork. There's no document. There's nothing that you can ever present to me. No one in the world can present to me that makes somebody a more, consequently-wise. Makes them a more consequently. All right? So what is nationality? What is nationalization for the Moors? Let me explain. Nationalization for the Moors is bringing the Moors back under the protection of more sovereignty on the protection of Moorish treaty, having allegiance to a Moorish government. That is nationalization for the Moors. There's They're no saying, excuse me, brother Abdullah, just for clarity, they don't identify as Moors. They are Moorish Americans. All right. Linguistically, can, I want you to crush it. All right. Once again, let's go to the treaties. The treaties between I have to go. I I, I have to. You've got to continue to go to what's well settled. Please, those who are listening, I'm helping y'all out. I'm helping y'all out. Please hear me out, please. I'm helping you out on how to debate, on how to argue. Don't allow somebody to get you off of what's well settled. You, you once you move. Off to what's well settled, they got you. Never, ever move off to what's well settled. The treaties between Morocco and the European powers between 1610 and 1892. The, the term Moorish American does not appear. Nor would you all leave coined the term Moorish American. Give me out, please. When I say coined, what do you mean by that, Abdul? Noah Jolly did not create the term Moorish, the word Moorish, neither did he create the word American. He brought Moorish and American together, thereby creating a term. Jolly coined the term Moorish American. The word Moorish, the term Moorish and the word Moorish American come, to, American come together did not exist in 1610. And 1500 and 1700. That was coined by Juali by bringing two words that are related in origin, Moorish and American, having the same origin, but based on Ablot, A B L L A B L U T, based on Ablot, different pronunciation, he created the term Moorish American. Moorish American does not exist in any of the treaties between the United, between Moroccan Empire and the United States. The treaties that I have in Moorish Masonry, the treaties that I have in Moorish Masonry, I have over uh, over 150 treaties listed uh, brother, in Moorish Masonry. I want to give you a plug real quick. Um, one, they are they are hosting the Juris class. When does it start? On the 25th of this month? The 25th of September. The Satori, the Public Relations and International Law. Public Relations International Law will be on set begin on Saturday, 
at 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The classes will run for 12 Saturdays, uh, for 12 to 4 Eastern Standard Time. And from September 25th, it starts. You go to unitedrespublicamorocco.com and click on Academy of Providence. Unite.org. Uh, United, Unitedrespublicamorocco.org and click on Academy of Providence. All right? And you have that posted. You see that? That course, there's two payment options. The classes will be um, live via Zoom, also in class, and the classes are recorded. So if you can't make it live on at, on Saturdays, because the classes are recorded, you can take be able to catch up on your work the next day or before during the course of the week. All right, thank you for that. The Academy of Providence. Your, your yeah. other plug, because you're an author as well, and that's what you were just yeah. getting to, you were alluding to. Um, please support this brother and go purchase his books. He, he, as you can tell, he is very well studied. He's an intellectual. I got my own library myself. I, I support all of my people when it comes to their literature. I read all books. So please, can you get back into Moors and Masonry, please? Yes. Uh, if you go to moorsandmasonry.org to get my books, I have, and Moors and Masonry, I have the, the, the history, dealing with the history of ex diplomacy, extraterritoriality, and consular jurisdiction between the Moroccan Empire and, and the European powers between 1610 and 1892. And the 1956 case, 1952 case between France and the United States in the International Court of Justice, there were three types of U treaties that was used to adjudicate that case. The first type of treaty that was used was the primary treaties between the Morocco and European powers between 1631 to 1892. The second type of treaty that was used to adjudicate that case is the Act of Algiers of 1906, as Jim mentioned, and the Act to Protect of Morocco, 1880. The third type of treaty that was used to adjudicate that case was the was the was the French Protectorate of 19, which is called the Fairs Treaty of 1912. Those are the three types of treaties that were used to adjudicate that case. And none of those treaties do you see the term Moorish American. That's been coined by Jew Ali. That's I, what I'm saying is we have to argue on facts. It's a lot of things that's made up. Drew Ali coined the term Moorish American. They're so that that means that mean Moorish American is 1900s one out. Yeah, Drew Ali. No, Drew Ali. No, Drew Ali. The origin of the coining of the term bringing Moorish and American together was Drew Ali. That's no Drew Ali. All right, let me let's let's explain. What do those in the Moorish Science Temple? This is what those in the Moorish Science Temple, when they say Moorish American, Moorish, that's their consequently, American, United States citizen. Moorish, Moorish consequently, American, United States citizen. They have the Moorish Moore, flag and the Star Spangled Banner. Moorish American. I'm a I'm a Moor who's a United States citizen. I'm a Moor. Who's your not? We have to understand what do they think? What do the sheiks, grand sheiks, grand governors, sheikists, what is their concept of Moorish American? A Moor who is a United States citizen. 
they have no clue that American and Moore have the same origin. American and Moore have the same origin. They think American is America Vespucci. They think American, the word American, originates from the European that does not. Once again, that's Ablot. That's a sound shift from Moroccan. All right, so I, we got to first provide clarity. So they, he did. Um, one of the Moors did ask a question. He asked it in a in a manner that the audience could receive it properly. It is like, so what treaty gives us nationality, and how do we use it in court? And they were asking if if the temple can't confer nationality, how would someone go about actually acknowledging their nationality or being able to identify it? If you know that we have been classified as Negro, colored, black, Ethiopian, African, which is a true statement from the prophet. No treaty gives you your Moorish nationality. None. Right. There's cool. no treaty. All right. All right. Let's, all right. Let's, let me do this. Let me do this, DJ. What what treaty gives you your bloodline? I mean, that's what he's asking. That's 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 no that's, treaty that's, gives me my bloodline. My bloodline comes through my parents. No, but I'm saying. You have to understand when someone, when the person asks, "What treaty?" I need the I need the person, the natural person, to understand what is he conveying. What idea are you conveying when you ask that question? You're asking the question, "What treaty gives you your Moorish bloodline?" You say, "Well, what treaty gives you a nationality?" All right, what treaty gives you Moorish bloodline? It's the one of the same. It's one of the same. What treaty gives you a Moorish nationality? What treaty gives you a Moorish bloodline? It's one of the same. Unless the one who polled asked the question, DJ, doesn't understand what nationality is. No, he is. I, I truly, I have, I have spoken to this brother. He was on the platform previously. He is aware of what nationality is. He is a member of USAR. That is the reason why he is asking these questions. Because they even ask, they ask what state do you belong to? And the only reason why I feel comfortable asking these questions is because I don't feel like it's a level of entrapment because I know you're you're articulate and you can express it in a manner where the audience can receive it. And then it could also where even USAR can receive it, what you're saying, because I don't I, me personally, I don't believe one particular thing is the end all to be all. Everybody has their own cultural beliefs and directions that we all go in. But I do believe we can find some clarity out of this conversation that we are having now. All right, let me. I want. I want to address the word belief, DJ, because I I hear that a lot. We, uh, DJ, we don't. We do not want to. We don't want to throw in belief into this discussion. Please hear me out, DJ. Let's use epistemology. Epistemology is a branch in philosophy. I have to educate the people. It's a branch of philosophy of how one knows knowledge. You have presumption, all right, which is those truths that has not been established as based in truth. You have you have presumption, which is assumptions that's not based in established truth. So you have presumption and established truth. Presumption is not established truth. A presumption will only stand if as long as it's not a challenge. So a belief under the category of presumption and not established truth. So DJ, we don't want to weaken 
this presentation by saying everyone has different beliefs. No, we're not DJ. I'm not talking beliefs. Hey, talking hey, let, let me correct myself. I'm not big on belief either. Let's get to the facts so we can have clarity. I, I know that, but I'm, <laughs> I want to address that, DJ. It's important that I do address that because you hear that from thousands of people. You hear that I have a right to my belief. I have a right to my own belief. Everyone has a right to their belief. DJ, we're talking. All right. If we're among jurists, we, we're in an international court of justice. We're in an international court of justice. You will never hear ever in the international court of justice. Everyone has a right to their belief. So that's so DJ, let's be in the international court of justice. Let's put our minds. Oh, and for the for the record, brother Abdullah, they said you didn't know international law, but you just said let's get into international jurors. I just wanted you to get to it. I wasn't even gonna bring it up because I, I know who you are. I know you. I'm like you. I know who you are. <laughs> I'm, I've been dealing with international law. I know. I know who you are. <laughs> we, we we've been doing that from different for the last two hours. We've been dealing with international law. They they don't understand they, what international law is based in. This is what I was saying. That, well, once again, DJ, I, DJ, I'm gonna say, let's get to it. I got to it. Once again, let me. I have to. Only reason I'm repeating myself is to make the connection that we are addressing international law by my referring to the book when God was a woman. That research, that volume of research by Merlin Stone, Merlin Stone Chronicles, that ancient concept of sovereignty matrilineal that is i want you to be aware that there's an international law the treaty of westphalia suppresses that so how in the world so there we are we're going to deal with modern statehood all right we're going to deal with you know are you aware that modern statehood principle is a suppressing of your ancient of our ancient customs, which is matrilineal. Ancient sovereignty is based in the woman, not statehood. Let me out. Let me say it again. The concept of ancient sovereignty, sovereignty, is not based in statehood. It's based in the woman. That's the Treaty of Peace of Westphalia. The peace, these European powers, 100 of them, convened in 1644. We're dealing with, I'm dealing with the construction, constructive language of international law. Please hear me. Please, I'm teaching you something. We must understand construction, constructive language, constructive concept that are put in place to suppress our, our culture, to suppress our birthright. Our birthright is tied to the mother line of the family. You, if you do not acknowledge that, you are, you are doing what the Albions are doing. The Albions constructed, they are constructing through the treaty, the peace of Westphalia, the modern concept of statehood was still our birthright. Hear me out. The modern concept of statehood still our birthright. They constructed that to do that. 
that that patriarchy, 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 patriarchy is based is that pa patriarchy is what suppressing the ancient concept, ancient principle or matrilineal, which was in place for thousands of years. You talk about a practice and an ancient system that was in place for thousands of years worldwide, now been suppressed. It's been preserved in Article 44 to Article 47 in the Iroquois Haudenosaunee Constitution. Where, show me a place where the ancient concept of sovereignty being preserved. This is a constitution, a constitution of six nations forming a confederation preserve that ancient principle tied to the woman that was that has been in place for a thousand years. Give me another document, please bring it to me. Another document that preserves as a constitution the ancient principle of sovereignty that was had been in place for a thousand years. Ancient concept of sovereignty is tied to the woman, the woman's side of the family. The modern concept of sovereignty is based in the Peace of West Philia, 1648. I am talking international law. I am talking and teaching you how to detect constructionism, which is to put in place to steal our birthright. I must talk like this. And another thing too, also, see when we see when you hear the international, when you hear the international community say that the people are being denied, when you hear the word positive law and you hear negative law, negative and positive, and you got law. Law is culture. So when you hear somebody say, we don't know nothing about international law, if you can't go back, if you can't, law is culture, land, air, and water. That's the earth. That's the hemisphere. That's the atmosphere. You got the you got the air. That's the that's the atmosphere. That's the hemisphere. Then you got the water and you got land. That's culture. So you if you think culture, if you think land is not culture, you think land is a bunch of opinions of a court or statutes made by a parliament or executive orders given out by a head of state. No, when you say you deny law, you deny culture. Culture, consequently, if somebody say right here, they get mad at you. You say you're more. You go sell applications, say you're Indian, American Indian. They get mad at you. That's being denied culture, because them 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 category words and consequently are the body and culture. So when one talk about culture, you're talking about law. When you don't know law mean culture. You better check yourself because you don't know what's going on. When they say international law, they talk about international culture. I mean, culture between foreign nations that claim to be a people in the earth, claiming a territorial boundary as their country. Brother Shem, I have, a, I have a question as it pertains to allegiance. Because I have um, I have quite a few more in the room right now, and they are asking, um, like, so who is? How do you pretty? I'll I'll phrase the question so it's proper. So how do you know that you have a proper allegiance with your state or your government 
And if there's not one present, how do we identify a proper allegiance with our state, our state government as it pertains to, well, th these are more Americans who are making these statements. Well, how, because clearly you all just expressed the American, the American Indian community is taken care of. Well, well basically the, the problem is when you claim a political allegiance to a state, a corporate state, state government, you're claiming to be a refugee. You don't have a country. Because the refugee, she didn't even go back and read the refugee convention. Where all the nations came together and say that, see, when you when you evade yourself of the protection of your, your, your country, I mean, when you run from your culture and you run from the political identity of your country, then you're not protected by the treaties that signed by the ruling dynasties of the country. You're not protected. So that, let me give an example. When your mother, let's go back to the 19th century, when our mother started going into these de facto states, vessels under Admiralty Law, they went into a vessel and dropped their goods, their baby. They went in there without a passport, a flag protected under a flag, or, or identity papers, of cultural identity, mean, claiming they'd ask the consequently. So the women, when they had the baby, they gave a baby an English name. That doesn't that doesn't nationalize the baby. What this nationalize the baby is when they make a political allegiance not to their country under cultural consanguinity. They make a what you call a political allegiance to a foreign state or foreign government. Therefore, they're not protected by the laws or the treaty of their country. I have a linguistic question about that. I have a linguistic question about that because the manner in which it's being posed, how um, Brother Abdullah asked the question earlier, I feel like it would be fitting for this question. It says, so, so are you stateless? And linguistically, I know. And then also historically, I would like for that to be answered because you did it. You did it earlier. Yes. Like, I just, I just needed to be clear because and right now, from what I can tell, there is only one set of Moorish Americans that is inputting confusion right now. It seems like everybody else is on the same page. What y'all saying line up? Moorish American or more treaty is more treaty. They understand that. That everybody I'm getting, except for this one group of individuals, and they keep on going to this stateless point because they feel as if they're their own government body. So linguistically, I just want you to tear it apart. All right. Though those who ask the question are stateless, we all are stateless. Please, we all are stateless. Those who ask, those who are members of the USSR are stateless. Those who are members of the USSR are stateless. All of us are stateless. All of us are stateless. We have not restored under the reversion to sovereignty. Just hear me out. You're stateless too. Under the reversion of sovereignty, we have not re-entered the international community. We have not claimed the more sovereignty with a population of people as voters, with a national constitution, and re-entered the international community as the old state exercising the sovereignty once exercised by emperors. Empress, colleagues, days, babes, we're all stateless. All right, we're all stateless. 
Now, the USSR has not done that. I don't need to talk to them. I talk, I know who I talk to. You know, I brother, talk. I will, I will not, not ask you answer. any more of their questions, bro. Brother, they have not shut it down. They have not, they have, they have not reestablished diplomacy with the treaty nations. As I said before, the first type of treaties that was in, that was adjudicated in a 1952 case between France and the United States was the treaties between Morocco and the European powers. There's 10 of them between 1830, 1631 to 1891. They have not deposited the instrument under the reversion of sovereignty and, and entered the re-entered the international community as their as an old and original state. They have not done that. They have not done that. Neither have we. We're all stateless. Let's talk the truth. We're that's, all stateless. That's what we hear. I'm gonna have to change the I'm gonna have to change the name. Even people are filling ways, but the facts have been presented. They have given you resources. I actually shared all of the links and the names of the treaties before we even came on here. So you cannot say that they're not bringing this heat. And well, I am thankful that you all have came and graced this platform and you have shared all this information with the body of people, whether they identify as being Moors, Aboriginal, Indigenous, whatever have you, even if any Europeans are watching this. I'm thankful that y'all came over here to do this because it needed to be done. This level of clarity and I myself, I am thankful because I was sitting here learning. I was silent because I was learning and it's not often in my field that I can sit and learn from people because of what I deal in. And I'm thankful because of how oversaturated YouTube has become when there's actual teaching going on. So thank you, brothers. I am like, like, I'm not going to hold y'all up any longer. We've been coming, we coming up on two hours and 30 minutes and I know y'all got things to do. Y'all really be out there working. So right, is there anything that y'all like to say to the people? I'm like, I'm not close. I'm not rushing y'all or anything, but I'm just, I'm not trying to hold y'all. All right, let me read this book. Books.com. Uh, yes. Uh, about our program, this is the um, it's United Republic of Morocco.com. You click on Academy of Providence. This is about our program. The 12 week contract law course will teach students governmental procedure dealing with the with diplomacy and international law. Secondly, students will be taught. Uh, No, all right, I got it. Secondly, students will be taught how jurists, justices and jurists weigh in the facts and merits pertaining, pertaining to treaties, acts, covenants, conventions, constitutions, and agreements affecting nations whenever there is a dispute based on agreements or contracts signed between two or more nations. Finally, students will learn the principles, procedures, and remedies pursuant to international law and adjudication collateral estoppel. The course is titled Public Administration and International Law. As I said before, you go to unitedrespublicamorocco.com and click on Academy of Providence. Unitedrespublicamorocco.com and click on Academy of Providence. Once again, the class are, we are via, live via Zoom communication and we have in class at 602 Vanderveer, Wilmington, Delaware. The class begins on September 25th. Their classes will be held on Saturdays from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. 
Eastern Standard Time. All right. So we're looking forward. There's two payment options, a payment option of full and a payment option of two, two partial payments. All right. So get your seat, get your tickets. Once again, go to UnitedRepublicOfMorocco.com and click on Academy of Providence to get my books, Morris and Masonry, Masonic Confidence Square and the Connection to Timekeeping and Measurement, Etymology and Vocabulary, How Venus and How Moon and Venus Rule, The Illumination and Illumination of the Mind book. You go to MoorsandMasonry.org. Moors, the word and, Masonry.org. All right. Thank you, DJ, for inviting us to this wonderful platform. Please walk right um, I, I had a great time. We had a wonderful time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to y'all on the phone all the time. But this was this was great. Thank you, Chief. I appreciate you, Chief. Thank you. Oh, I'm about to say what brother Shem. <laughs> but brother Shem, he love calling. I I I for the record, because there's other people on the platform, they don't. Everybody don't know my tribal status, but um, yeah, I just I just identify as not everybody don't know my ancestry, but I appreciate the honors, good brother, and also um, Wanishi. That's I I understand it. I just don't be telling the public that. <laughs> because you know you know how our people can be sometimes. They like to try and challenge challenge you. I understand my bloodline, <laughs> and you seen it when they call him a president. They call him a president. Why I call them more is what they are. You got yes, be able to be able to stand on it. All right, so thank you again, DJ. Yes, peace sir. and love, good brothers. You all have a great day. Peace. Man, what a great build. We can do this all the time. We have a awesome Rolodex. I have more people coming to bring more information. So if you all would like, please hit the like button, share, subscribe. Please share this video. Share it on Facebook. Share it on YouTube. That way we can bring some clarity to the situation. And for those of you all who don't know, uh, my baby up now. Tribe is tonight, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're on Central, 8 p.m. They gonna get it popping. They said they got some words for USAR, and you know they about to dig all up and through this video and come snatch some stuff down. On top of, they already got a whole plethora of receipts, dog. So I'm going over there to go watch the show. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm coming on. I don't like they they saying I'm biased, but as you know, like I just had elders come on and acknowledge who I am and my my status on both sides. It's just I'm here for truth. I hope you all came and you all received something great. I'm about to go do my daddy duties. Peace and love. Mm -hmm.